RadioInfluence.com. Made it back to another week. Your man, DJ Ekin most connected DJ, man. Appreciate you being here. This is the DJ Ekin podcast, all right? Um, I had a few things planned today. One guest can't make it, but the law father will be here later on. Um, a lot's been going on in the last few days. Um, in particular, um, let's see. The Kendrick Lamar album dropped. I want to get into that. Uh, Jack Harlow dropped an album. And of course, I want to talk about this Kevin Samuels thing for a minute before I get into the law father being here. And of course, ah, we're recording a little late. And 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 since we decided to record a little late, we got caught in yet another mass shooting up in uh, Buffalo, New York. And I'll talk about that in a bit, too. But first, I want to get started with this Kevin Samuels thing and him passing away. And and I want to play this clip from uh, a pastor, no less, which kind of surprised me that it was coming from a pastor in a church. And then I'll give you my thoughts and I'll take your thoughts as well. All right, let's get into it. You are listening to men who have no authority. How can a man say that you are of low value after 35? How can a man say that you do not have the level of traction of a high-powered man when that man has got to get a GoFundMe for his funeral? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You, you got to be in a place where you operate in the authority of God. Look at the, another sister around you. Tell them, it's not that I hate men. Come on, look at another sister and say, I do not hate men. I just despise weak men. I despise cowardice men. I just ain't got time for men who are insecure about my gift. I'm not going to dummy down because of what God got me. I don't have to lower my standard. That man got to step all the way up to deal with a queen on my level. Ow. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, Okay, here's my first thoughts from the pastor, right? He starts out with, um, well, well, let me back up first. Kevin Samuels, um, by going by his YouTube channel, is a lifestyle coach. And by all accounts, self-proclaimed. But I did notice that there were 1.5 million people subscribed to that channel. Now, I think we all can agree. No one is not even really sure where Kevin Samuels got any training, if any at all. Right? Like, I like I got nothing. I got all of a sudden this dude came out of nowhere and he was on YouTube and I've never watched a full episode, so I can't totally speak to that. A lot of things that I saw were what I term foolishness, right? They were clips. And I never took any of the clips really that serious, but that's just kind of how I do when I see two minutes of someone's life, right? I don't, I can't get a full view and Kevin Samuels didn't interest me enough where as to where I would get into it and go this, that, and the third about the dude. What's made me interested in him now though, is that when he passed the trending and the conversations that were, that I saw being had on Twitter were so crazy and so back and forth that I was like, who hated this dude? What did this dude do to you that made you feel this much, this passionately about him? Right? Whether it was people who were like glad that he's gone, like he needed to go. 
People like this pastor who are judging him going, this man said this and what right did he have? Let me touch that point real quick. If I'm not mistaken, isn't that what a pastor's doing? Like, right? A pastor is, my boy used to say this a long time. Shouts out to B-Train. He said, religion is honestly based on faith, not fact or fiction. And I've always held on to that point because what that point meant to me was even the Bible is written through a man's interpretation, right? We ain't got no facts that any of these men actually were getting their word from God. We don't. And these preachers nowadays, if I'm not mistaken, we can look in some of these churches and we've got infidelity. We've got things happening to children We've got money being stolen. So what makes this preacher any better, honestly, than this dude, Kevin Samuels? And you could be mad at me because you could think I'm talking about your pastor, but I'm just speaking on men in general, right? These things are based on faith, not no real facts, right? Not this religion thing, because if it, if it was all based on facts, then tell me this. Why are there so many different religions? Huh? Like, why do you believe this? This person believes this when we're all like supposed to be God's children. It's like everybody's interpretation, right? And I'm not telling you to give up your religion. That's not what this part of the conversation is about. I'm not telling you that you're wrong for whoever or whatever you believe in. But when I hear a preacher speak this strongly about a man, what is that really saying about the preacher? And honestly, what does it say about you if you went to a guy's YouTube channel, subscribed, and there's no real training that you can find out about about this person? It's almost like this is how I feel. And my, and my mom used to say this, right? If the stove is hot and I touch it and realize it's hot, is it going to be different? any different if I use the other hand? It's still going to be a hot stove, right? So all these people who were going to Kevin Samuel's channel, right? All these women that were going there and he was saying whatever he wanted off the cuff about their value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I say this about entertainment all the time. If you don't subscribe, if you don't support, the entertainment don't mean nothing. Think about it. When you guys have canceled someone, they canceled, right? They lose jobs, they lose money, the views go down. So who's really to blame for Kevin Samuels, right? Kevin Samuels died at 57 with all of what he told you, right? Kevin Samuels died at 57. And from all of the clips I saw, right, it was about high value men and what women couldn't do and women a certain size or whatever. He died after taking a chick home on a one night stand, right? And not to downplay her because... You do what you want with your life, man. You do what you want. I ain't here to judge you. The lady was a nurse. He met her. They went home on a one-night stand. Right? So what makes what Kevin Samuels was saying to you of that much value to you? That's my question, right? This dude was a dude like everybody else. If you, like, like there's videos of him now coming out online. Kevin Samuels driving a 3 Series BMW. And the BMW was leaking on a street and the lady was trying to turn him in because the cardboard that he had under his car, 
he wasn't picking up when he pulled off. But y'all let this dude dress up, put on a tie clip, tailored suits, dope haircut, nice frames, and he suddenly was ruining your day on the regular. Who's to blame for that? If you like and you subscribe to these channels and you go there and you let a dude or a woman or whoever beat you down, are they really to blame or are you to blame? So I'm asking everybody about this Kevin Samuels debate because I, I honestly, like I said, I got no problem with the dude whatsoever. I don't even think I've ever, matter of fact, I know. I've never even watched a full episode of anything he's had going on on YouTube. I only knew about him because of the foolishness and the craziness of the clips that I would see. And it was the clips of you ain't going to do that on my channel, which he had every right to be like, I'm going to run my channel the way I want to. But if you keep going there and tuning in, you know, you know, you know, that's kind of saying something about you, you know. So rest in peace to this brother, Kevin Samuels, man. That, that's all I got on that. And again, back to that preacher, I, I, I just found the clip kind of crazy because these guys are supposed to be doing God's work, right? You spent your time in church and they're like, I'm just wondering, you're a man just like he was. And, and I often marvel, too, when I'm when I'm doing these shows and these podcasts right now and, and I listen to people online talking and I watch these comments and whatever. And they're telling these stars or these entertainers and they're beating them down and be like, I'm trying to figure out which one of you people in the comments are perfect. It's just that your life isn't in front of a camera. Could be just me, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Jumping over to this music portion of things that's popped off this week. Jack Harlow dropped a new album, and I've been asked about it 17 times, right? And let me be clear. I put the Jack Harlow album in, didn't plan on skipping. As a matter of fact, I didn't skip anything. From beginning to end, took a car ride with it. Very underwhelming. And let, let's be clear. When I, when I do these reviews on these albums like this, this is not personal. This is not a knock on Jack Harlow as a person. I just didn't think the music was that good. That's all I'm talking about here. Very underwhelming. I felt like, and it took one of my boys to kind of tell me this out loud, and I kind of thought about it. I was like, wow, yeah, that is kind of what he did. It's like Jack Harlow got a Drake feature and then spent the rest of the album trying to sound like Drake. Yeah, very, very, very mediocre at best when I talk about the Jack Harlow album. But I will say this. Shouts out to Atlantic Records. Shouts out to his label. They are doing a dope marketing job. And, and, and to Jack's credit, too, Jack does understand his space, right? So it doesn't make him like like a bad artist. It's just that the the project as a whole just just wasn't really for my taste. For his audience, I think he probably did a good job. But musically speaking, I thought the album was way underwhelming. But the one project that I will probably listen to for the rest of 2022, and I really feel at this point right now, may be the most important hip hop project out so far and could wind up being the most important hip-hop project out um for the whole year to me is the Kendrick Lamar album Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers and look man if you know anything about me man you know it, it's way more than just beats and and what can turn up a crowd I mean you know me if you know me as a DJ you know I, I pride myself on being the energy god so the records that I drop for you I want you to scream I want you to I want hands up I want all the energy but when I listen to a hip-hop project a hip-hop album I'm not always looking for that I'm looking for substance you know and that just could be me and I think Kendrick gave us every bit of that 
I mean, he touched on, I mean, I don't think there's a subject matter that as a black man that I can't appreciate that he touched on. Everything from religion, his fear, and one of the biggest records I think that will be one of the biggest records this year is this record's record called Auntie Diaries. And and we've had these discussions on this podcast about, you know, just rap and the relationship to the LGBTQ community. Um, this Auntie Diaries record, if you get a chance to listen to it, it really talks about his own experience with his aunt taking the steps to become a man and then his cousin following in her steps of being born a guy and transitioning over to being a female. And the hook was kind of crazy when I first heard it because it was like, my auntie is a man now. You know, my auntie is. And so you're listening to this record and you're just like, where are we going? And it's a very different tone for Kendrick but it's probably one of the dopest records on the project to me and probably a super going to be a super important record over the years, especially with, with all that's going on in entertainment and in the community um, period. Right. With with the relationship to, you know, just I and I hope I'm saying this the right way to straight people in the LGBTQ community. I, I think I got that right. Did I get that right, Jason? Um, LGBTQ. I got that right. Huh? Plus. OK. Okay, plus. Okay, well, I, I just want to make sure I get it right. An, another super important record um, that I think, and if you're a brother out here and you listen to hip-hop at all, please listen to this Father Time record, man. Like, just, just, um, I'm that, look, man, I ain't going to stay on this long. I'm just telling you, like, if, if you're going to listen to a project and you're all about what's being said to you as well as the production to match, as well as, Beyonce spoke on this a while back too. Is like we're not getting real projects anymore. Project wise, I think this is probably, like I said, gonna be one of the most important albums of 2022. Hip hop album, especially, like hands down. I, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to believe that it won't be. You know, I, I know there'll be a lot of turn up music. The summer's coming, so there'll be a lot of those records as well. But project wise, hip hop wise, I just think it's a very important record, and it, and it honestly took me back to like some of the records I appreciate most, like Old Tribe Called Quest albums, Nas albums, that sort of thing. And it's hip hop, man. And for Kendrick to be from the West Coast, like I've already had a lot of respect for West Coast music. I've had a lot of respect for what they've done for the culture. But for Kendrick to be born and raised West Coast and just what he did as an artist here, um, I give him big ups, all right? I do. Um, I do. Um, More news too. uh, This happened... This one went down on Saturday, Jason, the Buffalo shooting. Um, this one was. I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure out what I was doing when you know what I think I was doing. I think I was at the uh, the lightning watch party game seven when I started looking at Twitter and I'm like, what's this Buffalo thing? Right. It's, it's, it's number one trending. And all of a sudden you see 13 people shot. 10 killed in Buffalo, right? And what in, what's crazy about this story again is that, of course, it being another mass shooting, right? But, but some of the facts, right? The guy who did this was 18. This happened in Buffalo. Um, and the crazy thing about Buffalo is being from New York, right? I don't think to hear the craziest crimes happening in upstate New York. You know, that when you hear about the craziest crimes that are happening in New York, I'm not thinking that, they're going to be happening in Buffalo. I'm thinking more about the city. I'm thinking something crazy happens in the Bronx or Brooklyn, something like that. This kid drove two hours 
to a zip code that hired the highest percentage of black people within a driving distance from his hometown. Now, everybody he killed was not black. I think that was a misconception because I think I may have even had that misconception. And my boy Gilbert, who shouts out to him, who actually saw the video because this kid also live streamed it, which makes it even crazier. Right. He live streamed it. Right. I think the first two people that he killed were not black. So, you know, rest in peace to them as well. But one of the clips that's going around right now is while he was in the store and this live stream is happening, he runs up on a white guy point blank and he actually apologizes to this guy. He doesn't shoot him. He apologizes to him. He goes, oops, sorry, as if to be like, I'm only looking for people of color in here, you know, and he can kill 10 people in all. Right. One of the crazy things about this. And again, I'm, I'm reading a lot of different articles on this and I'm, I'm watching this online is a couple of narratives always seem to come out when these shootings happen. And it's like a young white kid or whatever. Right. It's like this guy's referred to as an 18 year old teenager, as opposed to when Mike Brown got killed or a guy like Mike Brown being a black guy and he's 17, 18, 19 years old. The media always does this like it's like he's not referred to as a teenager. He's referred to as a man, 19 year old man, 18 year old man, Mike Brown. And I'm starting to wonder out loud, is the media doing this on purpose? You know, like, and I know I'm a part of the media, but to me, he's an 18 year old dude. Right. And the other thing that's starting to be, you know, questioned, I saw this on Fox News and and I saw this on a couple of other clips is we immediately start questioning this kid's mental state. Look, man, let, let me help you out right here. This kid or this dude wrote an eight, 180 page manifesto. He took the time to write the n-word among other things on his rifle right he drove two hours to again the zip code that had the highest percentage of black people within a driving distance from his house and he also had the whole place that he wound up shooting up this tops grocery store he had this uh this uh this a footprint of it which is pretty much a, a diagram of the store to know how to move around in there that don't sound like a person who's got mental problems to me and and maybe it's just me jason maybe the maybe the the fact that you know it's, it's another mass shooting maybe it's bothering me and my mental but i'm not i'm seeing a dude right there who knows everything that he wants to do so I think that as a collective, we got to kind of stop, you know, the media being first. We got to kind of stop with these narratives of like, you know, everything is mental health. No, some of these people are just, they just garbage, yo. They trash. Yeah, like this ain't about mental health. This ain't none of that. This is, this is evil. So we got to kind of stop working, trying to work these narratives in. And, and, I, and I blame people like myself. And the reason I say that is because I consider myself part of the media, right? So I'm not just going to say the media. I consider myself part of the media, right? So so let's push out the story the way it is, right? This 18-year-old dude is trash. He ain't got no mental issues. He did exactly what he wanted to do that day. Planned it out. Live streamed it for everybody to see. And he targeted a certain group of people. And... Not saying that they were all black, but he targeted people in that area. Those are facts, man. Those aren't things I'm making up. Those aren't things I'm trying to switch the narrative about because I'm a black journalist, so to speak. No, these are facts. Start dealing with the facts, man. And that goes for everybody, man. That goes for everybody who rocks with me, everybody who doesn't agree with me. Let's deal with the facts. 
That's all I'm asking, man. And, and let's pray for those affected up in Buffalo. All right. Um, it's just a lot going on, man. Uh, not to take the mood uh, anywhere else, but um, let's get my man, the law father in here and get to rocking with him because the YSL young thug gunner, the Rico case. I can't let this episode go without touching that, right? So uh, let's get the law father in here real quick, all right, on the DJ Eakin podcast. Shifting things a bit, your man DJ Eakin. Um, of course, lots happened last week, and of course, I, I would not be uh, doing my hip-hop justice if I didn't dive a little deeper into this whole um, indictment of Young Thug, Gunna, his YSL crew, and it went down on May 9th up in Atlanta. Um, and, of course, because I always, I always want to get the facts correct, I couldn't do this without my guy, the law father, William Frankie. What's up, sir? How are you? Good, man. How you doing? Uh, I, 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 it could be just me, but obviously, you or it just the way I see it, you might have thought I was going to bring you into some hip-hop trouble because you got the black pinstripe on today. Like, you are ready for, like, you know, just the things that hip-hop brings. You're always dapper, but today I got the black pinstripe. Were you ready? Were you ready for the Rico? Oh, between the rapper side of it and, you know, my Italian side of it, you know, being with Rico, I figured the black pinstripe was perfect. Yeah, and 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 I must say this, the uh, pocket watch is a, a nice touch. I, I will say that. Well, thank you. Yeah, yes. I appreciate you being here. First off, let, let's get into what happened, right? And then I got some particular questions asked for, for, to ask you. Um, Young Thug, rapper, entrepreneur, label owner, because he actually owns YSL, which is an imprint that he has a deal, a distribution deal with uh, 300 Entertainment, which is Lior Cohen, Kevin Lyles, some pretty big dudes, right? And Young Thug is a pretty big force out of Atlanta when it comes to hip hop. And something I didn't even know until like a week ago, Young Thug is also a Grammy winner. He won a Grammy with uh, Childish Gambino for the record This Is America, because from what I understand, he helped write that record, right? And then there's Gunna, who is also part of the, the YSL imprint and is definitely got to be top 10 rappers out of Atlanta right now. They're both got to be in the top 10, right? The entire crew caught up in a um, uh, it's a pretty big indictment. I had the number of pages here, but of course, I've, I've lost that part, but um, pretty big indictment um, it's 56 counts, right? And it's it's a Rico thing. Here, here is uh the first thing that that I want to get into because around hip hop, you know, there seems to be this indictment on hip hop, and and I want to first of all dispel a couple of rumors, right? Because the Rico Act was created in 1970, and this, if I'm doing my math correctly, is before hip-hop is anywhere around before hip-hop is officially started so the first rumor i want to clear up is that the rico act was not created to stop hip-hop it was not created to 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 you know take down hip-hop as a collective to to catch these rappers this that and the third like we like we see going around on social media right now that rumor what it was though created for was the mob, am I correct? Like the mob as an organization to to help battle organized crime. I mean, officially, no. Officially, Congress said that that was not the reason. Okay. But, yeah. Good luck. Good luck trying to convince anybody <laughs> of that. But yeah. That's, okay. That's so, really what it was created for. Right. So, so what is Congress saying it was created for? 
basically they, they said that they didn't want to make it about blue collar or they actually specifically said that they didn't want it to actually be directed towards just if your name ends in a vowel, that it should be directed towards white collar equally and those with an Ivy League education equally. Um, however, if you look at when it was created, clearly they uh, were trying to figure out how to get at the mob because conspiracy as a charge really doesn't work in that setting. Right. And that's kind of where this gets born from. But it is kind of a, a catch all. Right. It's kind of a, a catch all thing, like basically in in layman's terms. Right. If, and you can correct me if I'm explaining this wrong. It's kind of made so that say like you're the top guy in in our gang or organization that we have. Right. And I'm, you know, two steps under you or whatever. And I'm the one that's really doing a lot of this work, but it's at your direction. Right. So you always have kind of seemed safe because you're never the one who does the robbery. You're never the one who actually sells the drugs to another guy. You're not there for the transaction. You're never the guy in the car when the trigger is pulled. But this Rico thing is kind of meant to get you involved as well, because you're the guy kind of given the direction for these things to happen and overseeing things. So it's actually not even the direction. Right. It's the I benefit from it. And we're part of the same organization. That's ah. the that's kind of the meat and potatoes of the whole thing. Right. So, so I mean, <clears throat> okay. so when we look at this, this young, duck, young thug thing. Right. And, and gonna and these things. Right. Um, young thug himself is facing two charges, conspiracy to violate the Rico Act and participation in criminal street gang activity. Gunna. Gunna's charged with one count of conspiring to violate Rico. He was listed in at least five counts of the Rico indictment, including being accused of committing the felony offenses of possession of meth, marijuana, and hydro hydrocodone with intent to distribute a controlled substance, blah, 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 blah. And from what everybody's saying, Gunna's charges are really pretty light compared to everyone else, right? And there are 28 people actually in this indictment, and it's ranging from everything from murder on down. Um, Young Thug, the biggest name, of course, in this. And he's also credited with being like one of the guys who started this. And and one of the flip sides of this that his side is trying to say is that YSL is a corporation. It's a label. It's not a gang. Eh, if you look at enough social media eh, and if you watch the DA, social media has played a big part in how they're bringing up these charges. So I guess my question for you is your thoughts on what I've given you so far on what they've been charged with, how hard you think it's going to be to prove and this social media piece, your thoughts on that. Sure. So, you know, I, I think the argument that, of them using, well, Hey, it's a corporation. I think it actually makes it harder to defend because it has to be, an enterprise that's that's where you start right so if you don't have an enterprise you don't get to move to step two of rico right and they've left all when congress made the rico statute they left it very broad right and if you and i know they say it wasn't to combat the mob but if you look at the way it was developed it was developed in a way kind of with that in mind because there were there was it was a struggle right you how do you get to the boss how do you make the boss responsible because he's the one making all the money, right? He's the one buying the house and 
Florida, making that his residence because, well, it's a heck of a lot tougher to take a house that you live in in Florida, by the way, um, which is why we would see some of the mob guys down here. But uh, it's a whole nother show. But, you know, how how do you get to that guy? Because your typical your typical conspiracy, you and I, right, if I if I want you to go commit a crime, right, if I want you to go sell drugs to have a conspiracy charge, you and I have to talk about it. I have to be somewhat involved in the process of that happening, right? But with Rico, you start with this enterprise concept and they left it broad so that way it didn't have to be an entity. It could be an entity, right? Just like YSL. It it doesn't have to be though. As long as you can show that those group of people are together, right? That's how that works. And that the defendants involved were part of that enterprise and organization, right? So that's how we kind of put all the pieces together and say, well, hey, they all work for the same company and they're all furthering the same goal. And oh, by the way, this guy started that company, right? But then you have all these people out there doing all these different things. That's where you start moving into Rico. Now, you know, and, and I don't know if this is going deeper for the moment, right? But it's not based on one single incident, right? It's based on, you have to have at least two, which two doesn't sound like a lot, right? But you have to put those two incidents together. So let's just say he has a guy that works for him that goes and murders somebody, right? And he has somebody else out that is selling drugs, okay? Well, if first, if the murder had nothing to do with the one instance of selling drugs, right? You can't use those two. Now, Drugs becomes a really easy one because it, it is encompassed within the statute. And how many drug dealers out there do you know that only sell drugs one time? Right. I mean, I mean right. that becomes super simple. I mean, you know, back back when I was in law enforcement, if if you were doing a buy, right, if you were doing an undercover buy, you couldn't arrest somebody off the first one. You had to have two. Right. So by and large, you know, drug dealers don't deal drugs one time. Right. And And, so, and, and also to that point. From what I understand, too, they've been investigating this. They've been gathering this evidence on them for at least like nine or 10 years. Right. There's even an instance like in 2015, they're accusing Young Thug in particular of renting the car that was used in the commission of a murder. You understand what I'm saying? So um, so that that goes back to your point of him. They're actually tying him to something. And I guess also, too, by association too, a lot of that is 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 getting to be blown uh, blown up or, or or looked at because of all of their association on social media and their connection that way, right? That's where a lot of the social media is coming in at. Yeah, social media is probably the worst thing in the world. If especially if you're going to go commit crime, right? Don't have a social media account. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but we gotta because I gotta show you the benefits of of my of my criminal activity. I gotta show you that I bought every sneaker out there. I gotta show you that I got more and. I am not successful if I don't post the money phone picture once, dude. Like I got, so how can I do this stuff if I don't have social media? Dude, okay, we're old. We've, I think we've established this, right? You you remember the old Impala, now I'm not talking the old, old Impalas, when they brought Impalas back out, right? And all the drug dealers would drive around, they'd put 24s on the Impalas and they put TVs on the back of the back headrest. Right. Looking out. Right. It was like you had all this extravagance and it was like, why? Who's watching that TV? The person in the car behind you. Right. Cool. Right. Social media is the new 
Impala with the TVs in the backseat. <laughs> right? I mean, right. You know, but I'll tell you what, you couldn't prove that somebody was doing something illegal just because they were driving that Impala. Right? right. It just looked a little bit ridiculous. Social media gives you those tools because I I could take it. I have, you know, person A, B and C all in the same picture. Well, a little hard for, you know, Johnny, who's A, to say that he doesn't know Sammy, who's B. Well, you must at some level because you're in a picture with him. Right. Right. You know, and then, oh, by the way, where did you get the cash from? Right. I mean, we want to bring the mob fully back into this. Back in the day, back before this, Al Capone was arrested on tax evasion charges. Right. Now, a little bit harder to figure out tax evasion back in the day. A lot easier now, right? Because look, if you don't have a job that you're making a paycheck from, right? Or you do and you make, say, $20 an hour, not a, not a bad living, right? You're making $20 an hour, but you live in a million dollar mansion and you have a Ferrari that you have in your pictures that's actually yours. And you're like, look at my Ferrari. Someone has to go. Those numbers don't add up, right? right. Social media makes that very easy. And, and yeah, you may go, okay. We don't know where that money came from, but we know it it probably wasn't from the $20 an hour job. Where did it come from? And oh, by the way, we have this picture with, with you and this guy over here. And we know that this guy over here has been selling big time drugs for however long, or he's this other guy's part of a robbery crew, right? And you guys are associated in some way. We know that because we see pictures of you guys together, but look at the stuff that you have, right? I mean, so that's that's some of the thought process there, I would think, with social media of being a bad thing. I, I found this one interesting, too. And, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, and it was an 88 page indictment, by the way. Um, the RICO is normally a federal thing. This one is state RICO. Right. So Georgia has its own state RICO charge. Gotcha. So and, and from what I could tell, it, it really mirrors the uh the federal charge with the exception that and this is this holds true for really any federal charge so you have to affect interstate commerce and really it's really simple to do that um i, I mean i remember i i had when i was a deputy i arrested a guy in a gun charge the feds took it over and i'm thinking well how the heck do you do that the, i found this guy in clearwater i arrested him in clearwater and took him to jail in clearwater so why are the feds involved well they go hey that gun was manufactured somewhere else it was driven across state lines into florida therefore it quote unquote affects interstate commerce right from what i can tell that's the really only difference between the federal and the georgia law yeah and, and they're saying in part two of the indictment right this rico charge that the gang was established in late 2012 and that young thug is one of the founding members with another dude named dk and this guy tick right so um National blood gang ties and associates use identifiers, including colors, clothing, tattoos and hand signals. And this is all stuff that you probably see on social media or someone's recorded at a concert or something like that. Right. So they're using all of this stuff. And the D.A. did come out and say that social media is a powerful tool. Now. You often hold me from this when I have when we're when we're together and having these conversations. Right. But one of the big things that we were talking about in the barbershop is that. I seem to be in the mindset that with all of the technology out there and all of the movies I see, right? Like, like when, when they wanted a, a um, come on, the terrorist, the 911, Bin Laden, right? Didn't 
they use like some sort of a heat sensor technology to recognize that there was a guy in that building or there were people in that building, right? They they can look through these buildings essentially if they want to look for things, right? So my mind said, and you can or can't tell me this. Maybe you know because by being a former police officer, I seem to think that nowadays the officers pretty much know who the drug dealers and who the criminals are. And it's just like they're either building a case or it's just like we'll get to that one later, depending on the level of destruction that this crew or this person is 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 causing. Right. Because I, I also remember a line from one of the mob movies I watched. Right. And it was like murder and stuff. It brings police. You know, so when you start and people are dying, especially when it's innocent people and stuff like that, the cops start looking a little bit deeper into what you're doing because now you're making the news and all this kind of stuff going on. And you being a former police officer, you may or may not want to let me know that. But dude, are you in the mindset that cops kind of know who these people are or kind of have an idea of the association, especially after someone's been doing this stuff for like five years? Because normally they get the car. You know, like you said, there's social media popping off. Yeah, so I mean, look, I, I I left in 2012. Okay, so you really didn't have there camera phones existed, but it wasn't like it is now. I, I 2012 wasn't that long ago, but it kind of was, right? Right. But I worked in high drug neighborhoods, and I was actually for a short period of time the gang liaison for um, my uh, my uh, district. Okay, that I worked in. So when as a gang liaison, if another deputy stopped somebody and they thought it was a potential gang member, I had to go and certify them. There's a a state statute that you can certify somebody as a gang member. And social media was one of the tools that I used. I started with the person. Right. What colors were they wearing? What were their tattoos? You know, and then social media. Now it's so much easier on social media. But, you know, to your point that murder brings police. Put it like this, that the one neighborhood that I worked in, it was filled with really one neighborhood. So I had two that I worked in, in, in two different counties. Right. Right. One, I felt like everybody hated us. It didn't matter what we did. Right. Everybody hated us. But we knew who everybody was. Right. We knew who all the drug dealers were. We knew who the users were. And, you know, we, we used that to our advantage at times. Right. The second neighborhood I worked in had a lot of people who actually liked us. Right. Who. And I would get out and I would talk to them. Right? I would get out of the car. I'd walk around the neighborhood and I would talk to different people. And it was, hey, I'm afraid to come out of my house. This is when I just started in the neighborhood. Hey, I'm, I'm afraid to come out. There's this going on. There's that going on. So I'd listen to what's going on, get a feel of who was who. And then once I started with the who's who, right, and I would keep physical notes and mental notes, notes of who was who. I would stop everybody, right, because I wanted to know who was who everybody was. And let's say it was one of the people who was the who's who. And they had something small on them, something that, look, on a felony, you really didn't have any leeway, right? If you found somebody with cocaine on them, let's say, you couldn't do this. But, you know, say they had, back in the day when blunts were, you know, truly, purely illegal, there wasn't any kind of gray right. area about it, right. right? You know, it was, hey, look, I know who you are. Now you know who I am. I'm going to be here, right? As long as I don't have people complaining, right? Because... There's no fighting in the streets. You're not dealing openly. You're not doing X, Y, and Z. And and you're doing whatever it is you're doing in your house. You live your life. I'm going to live my life, but I know who you are. And if you step out of line and all of a sudden I get complaints again, now we're going to shut this down completely. And you're not going to be able to do any business. So, you know, look, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing when you're working there, but you know who's who. Right. Right. And 
look, you, you have to survive the day. And I don't mean survive the day just in terms of like not getting shot. It's, it's your job. You, you have to be able to be in there and live a, a somewhat normal life. Right. And, and a normal work life that is. So, um, but as soon as something popped off, there was a shooting, you knew who the first people were that you were looking for, at least to, not to say that they did it, but to give you a starting point to work towards who did it. Right. And, and to check, start checking those people off the list too, to make sure that they weren't involved. Right. It's like, yeah, okay, you weren't involved. I, I got the proof now I can check you off, but you, you had a starting yeah. point. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, so I got people breathing down my neck of you got to figure this out. Well, okay. How do I figure it out? I start talking to people type of thing. Right. So, so where do you see this going though? And, and, and when I, when I ask you this question of where do you see this going, I mean more so because one of the big things that seems to be happening and there's articles being written about it is how this Rico act is going to affect hip hop. And, you know, I know that you're very much in touch with what's going on out here with regard to pop culture as well. Do you feel like this, this one in particular and what may be coming because there's other names that have been thrown around is starting to be like an indictment on hip hop? I mean, hip hop has really always pushed the envelope, right? I mean, heck, I, I saw, of all things, it was kind of perfect timing. Onyx popped up on my iTunes as having a new album. I'll, I'll look through the new albums. and um, So I don't know if it was a remake of an old album or actually a 2022 album. Right. But I'm listening to this, and I'm, and I'm, I mean, I remember the old hip-hop back in the day. Like, look at all the murders I have and look at all the people I shot. I'm like, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, it's 2022. Are, are you still able to get away with that in hip-hop? And, and I just think that it's always – push that envelope and it's always been an easy target to ask that question of are you actually doing what you're saying you're doing because if you are then maybe there's a bigger problem or as we've talked about before like especially with Kanye or is it just artistic expression right I I think what has happened and like I said the one thing I love about having you here is that you very much know what you're talking about when it comes to the law but you're close enough to the culture where I feel like you can make have both conversations relate right I think what what was happening before in hip hop when when I fell in love with it back in the day and my brothers and and everybody introduced me to it right in the Bronx right is that I have and I try to always keep it here I always thought that like Hip-hop got a bad rap for a while because when I go see the Terminator, right, old movie or, you know, I'm watching some of these movies, right? Like Keanu Reeves in, uh, uh, what is it, uh, John Wick. Multiple people are dying in John Wick. I mean, he barely takes a step and somebody else dies. But yeah. I also feel like when they say cut, I don't for one second think that Keanu Reeves is that guy. Like it's a character. It's strictly entertainment, right? And for the longest time, that's where I placed hip-hop. There's always been this fine line between entertainment and the criminal world because it's easy to mix that money up and not have to have it accountable. That's why they say a lot of people, you know, they have clubs and they do this entertainment thing because it's, it's a lot easier to move the money around because it's so much cash involved. Right. Um, what I think is happening now is that it's becoming less about the music and more about and I feel like this is happening. A lot of these guys are that are really in the street have bullied their way in the industry. And and I can, I'm explaining that further by like this, right? You'll have a guy that's really a gang member. Like he really is living the life, right? But somewhere along the line, he has liked this rap thing. He has liked it. Liked it enough too where I could actually make a record. 
But what he has that a lot of hip hoppers uh, don't have is he has that extra thing called I will hustle. And he hustles by any means necessary to get to the paper. Right. And this is just another way to get to the paper. So he does extra what the average kid who makes a record will not do. He's always on social media. He's always out. He's meeting people because he has the money to be there. So he already has the look. He just finally needs the record. Right. And so when he finally gets the record, all of his entity kind of comes with him. And so it's really gang life. And then on these social media channels, the kid in the suburbs who never would be close to that life is fascinated watching that life. And that life is lived right in front of them on the YouTubes, on the Instagrams. Chicago is a perfect example. Chicago has been killing forever. forever. And it's not like it's not like it's just about the music. These kids are caught up in these dudes lifestyle for real. The young Dirks, the chief Keefs, And these dudes are really dying in front of them all in their neighborhoods, you know, the music just happens to be one piece. Whereas the art form used to be breakdancing, DJing, MCing. Now it's rapping, gang life. You know, it's it's just it's just it's it's morphed into these other things that are caught in it. And I think what's happening now is it's it's becoming way more like it's way mixed in. You know, it's because these guys are really here. You know, it it is. But at some point, you have to move out, right? You got. You got to move on. You got to get away from that. And and you know, I, I think of a, a couple of examples. And, and look, I don't know this guy's backstory. I know what what he portrays his backstory to be. You may know from from another another level of more. But if you look at Jay Z, right? Jay Z self proclaimed, you know, I was a drug dealer, right? Right. But look at where he is now. And, and I think the difference between him and some of the other people are he left it all, right? He left it all there. It was business, it was music, and it was how do I promote my brand, right? And he never has to worry about these other potential things because he doesn't have those, we'll call them hangers on, right? Maybe they're your friends, but if if you're doing good, right, and you're making money and you're making a good life for yourself, right, and your friend's selling drugs and potentially putting you, A, not just in danger of being arrested, but... Look, we all know, I don't think this is a stretch to say that people who deal drugs tend to get shot probably at a higher higher rate than people who don't, right? So now all of a sudden you're putting yourself into, into that mix, right. right? Whereas, and I think, look, I grew up in South Jersey, right? You grew up in, in um, the Bronx, right? Yes, sir. And, and I think both of us grew up around people who said, look, stay away. We're doing our thing, Right. You are, you know, I, I think you played ball. I played ball. Is you're really good at that. Right. Go, go away from us. Get away. You know, go do that. That you are going to go to college and get an education. Right. right. You're going to go do things. And I think that gets lost on this generation. And it, it seems weird because you know apparently now we're old. Um, but this generation kind of lacks that. It's it's like let's pull everybody down with us. We're not going to let you go and and be jay-z out on his own and i think that's a deeper conversation and and i want to and i I didn't want to keep you here like too too long today but i do want to ask you this to get your opinion and and i'm going to give you the opinion from a black perspective right and then i want your opinion from the italian perspective another nationality i am starting to feel like we have lost what was the ogs 
or at least they're harder to find the good OGs in like on on the black side, especially when it comes to hip hop. And I'll tell you why. And it's funny because we were just having this conversation in the barbershop as well. I think it's happening, especially because of social media. Right. You get a lot of guys who are clearly older. And you would think that because they've been through all of these things, they pull a couple of these young guys aside and be like, yo, bro, you got to cool out, man. You're like, you are really, you're getting like 70,000 a show. Like, yes, keep the antics kind of going, but a little less guns, a little less fighting in these places. Like you're, we, we can really be doing corporate business to make up for this money. And I'm starting to see a lot of the dudes who I would think should be OGs that they're arguing on Instagram. They're going on live to tell the world about a problem that they have as two men. When they probably have each other's number, we could call each other and be like, yo, bro, let's settle this. Let's talk about this behind closed doors because when we do this, now everybody's in the comments and that sort of thing. Do you feel like in the Italian way or you know, in other nationalities that you've, you've had to deal with that the OG is getting lost? Because I, I just feel like that in hip hop. I mean, I, I think the the OGs in the Italian world are, are have been gone, but I think to bring it all the way back to Rico, I think Rico did a, a really good job of that, right? Um, I, I think it's just different, and, and part of it is is that I'm down here in Tampa now, right? Which, right. look, I know I know it exists here in Tampa, but it's not like South Jersey and South Philly, right? Um, so for me, it's a, it's a little bit different to to try to go, okay, what is it? Plus, dude, I, I'm like, it's it's a whole other world. Right. I, I want nothing to do with with any with anything that is has any potential to have any impact on my kids. Right. I want nothing to do with it. Right. And I know some of the guys here in Tampa. Right? I'll, hey, how you I'll say, hey, how you doing? I'll have a conversation with them. It's where it stops. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, none of it means anything if if I have to look over my shoulder with my kids. Right. So, but maybe we need more of that concept. Right. And look, I didn't have an OG teach me that. I just kind of figured that out on my own. Right. And 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 again, to that point, it's again, it's just like I just think like, you know, like my uncles and these dudes I could talk to about anything and they would tell me. Like the decision at the end of the day was mine to make. Right. Like someone can tell you all day, like you just said, hey, man, like you got kids, man, like you, you are really doing great. You know, I know there's more things you want to do. But keep working at that to get to that level, at what you're doing that's positive, right? As opposed to saying, well, let me stick my hands over here and do the negative and hope that I can get out of that and and bring this over here. When you're putting that extra effort into what you have going on that's positive, because for the next generation behind you, which is your kids, you want the life for them to be even easier than what you have, right? And so the guys who I always called OGs or I would talk to, they weren't always relatives. They were, like you said, they were older guys on the block. And they would tell me, some of the things that they were going through so that I wouldn't be over there. And they would encourage me. Nah, don't come over here. Don't come over here. Like, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll sit down and we'll talk about baseball. We're even going to come to some of your games and we're going to be sitting in the stands cheering for you. But we yeah. don't want you out here at three o'clock in the morning with us standing in front of the building on the corner doing what we do. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was back in the day. And it was great. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. Right. Yeah. You know? But to, to take, let's jump right back to, to Rico uh-huh. for a second, right? Because I, I think we focused on, and it's all it's all the criminal part of it, right? But you know what? Beyond just jail, because you know we, we've been talking some of the money aspect and this and this that the other with it. You know, one of the big provisions it has in it, what's the that? Seizure of assets. That is where so that 
Rico wasn't truly a let's just throw you in jail, right? And we're going to use the threat of jail to get you to provide a plea, right? The the idea of it was actually to get you to plea out, right? The, the idea was to come down so hard on you, right, that you were going to want to take a plea and make it go away because they weren't really just coming for you. Right. They were coming for all the assets and all the money. And so when I say assets, I mean all the money that you got from this. So to your point, if you can... If you can make the same amount of money by, you know, toning it down a little bit and, and yes, keeping up the persona because, hey, there is there is a public persona. Right. And and I think they're as close to actors. Right. But they have to act out more in the, the general public than an actor truly does, or at least make it appear that way. Right. Right. But keep in mind, you go put your hand in that other jar for that drug money. They're coming for that money. When right. they you know, when they get something like this, so just a thought to throw in there and, on and, that. And to your point, I w- I wanted to bring this up too because um and and I've had this in my notes too. Around the same time that this thing happened with Young Thug and and Gunna and the YSL crew down in Atlanta, in New York, in Brooklyn, there's the rapper Casanova. Casanova had already been locked up before. He's been out and he's garnered some some success in this rap thing. But there's always been the notion on social media that he's still in the gang life. He's still running around and he got picked up on Rico charges a while back and he's been locked up and there's been different things said, different things said. And to your point, he just pleaded out. He just pleaded out and he pleaded out to, he admitted to being involved in a 2018 New York city robbery and a 2020 Florida shooting. He also confessed to trafficking over 100 kilos of weed in Westchester County and Florida while leading a gang called the Untouchable Gorilla Stone Nation Bloods. And this guy was starting to have some success, right? And right now he's waiting to be sentenced to between five and 60 years, right? And, and, it, and it goes back to your point of these guys... To me, there's numerous examples online and where I say the OGs aren't coming in. And maybe I, I got to do a better job, right? Because it's online, like you just said, of plenty of guys like this guy, right? That suddenly I'm a rapper, but the taxes and the money doesn't match up to the lifestyle they're putting out online. I'm in a Ferrari. I got the penthouse, the mansion. And you're thinking, yeah, I know you're a rapper, but nobody's booking you for shows like that because you don't have Drake shows. You don't have Drake records. <laughs> You know, so how are you, you know, how are you doing this lifestyle? And I heard that when he got in, it, it's out there now that, you know, they started talking to some of the other guys. And like you said, they probably came down so hard on them that they started telling what he actually was doing. And yeah. here we are with the Rico in the rap world again. So at the end of it all, what do you think is next? Do you think that? We're going to see you think that just from what you see on the outside looking in and watching what they've done in Atlanta and me telling you about New York. Do you think that hip hop is under indictment? Do you think that or do you think that hip hop is actually doing it to itself? I mean, look, it, it, it lends itself to it in a way. Right. Because it's usually larger groups. Right. And, and I know, look, if you look at rock and roll, for example, yes, they're groups, but I think it's a different scenario. If you have, you know, usually four or five guys that play together. Right. Usually in the rap game, you have one guy and probably 20 guys around him who aren't really part of the show, but are this group, right? So it, it lends itself to fulfilling the enterprise, right? Because they're all working towards that. Now, 
also lends itself because the hip hop culture has always been right, wrong or indifferent. Right. It, it seemingly has always been drugs and killing and money and, you know, those types of things. Um, and actually, one of the pieces of RICO is criminal copyright infringement. And well, you can a lot of times make an argument for that. Right. With hip hop. Anytime you sample a song, you are really skirting that line of copyright infringement. Right. I mean, I know that's been up for a debate for a long time, but it it almost lends itself to it. And the fact that the statute is so broad, the way the law is written is so broad that you can fit that catch all into anything. Right. Um, I mean, for the most part, if you really wanted to. If you and Jay, you could potentially tie you, Jason, and I in if we were doing something that was kind of involved with somehow ability to make money fraudulently off of podcasts, let's say. Right. So, I mean, that's that's just how broad of a scope it is, right? And when it's feds, the feds don't lose. So when they come for you, they it's not just because they heard your name, you know, one time and saw one picture of you, you know, flashing a gang sign. Okay. They have a lot on you. All right. Well, let me let me end with this, which is how I started, right? So that everybody gets this point. The Rico though was not created just to take down hip hop. No. The, I mean no, not not at all. Rico's been used for anything you can imagine. I, I looked up some of the Rico cases and I mean it's it's the mob, it's um there was I want to say an accounting firm that I saw was Rico. I mean, you name it, you can, uh, oh, one was a, um, a, an animal shelter. Oh, wow. They, they pulled, yeah, it had to do with the way they were taking donations uh, in the synopsis. I really didn't understand how they pulled Rico off, but they did. Um, it seemed like they were missing some pieces, <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's not, it's never been all about one thing, right? Seemingly, although they say it wasn't started off as the mob, it, it's not, it's not, a tool being used is that it's not a tool that was developed to go after hip hop. Right. Right. And I'll tell you what, if the, if the rappers out there don't want to get caught up in, in a Rico charge, just don't conduct yourself in the way that would make you subjected to Rico. Boom. I mean, easier said than done, I suppose. But. <laughs> Boom. My guy as always, man, the law father, William Frankie. Uh, I appreciate you, man. Where can they find you at online? And pretty much anywhere at the Law Father and uh, FrankieLaw.com is where you can find the full on site. Uh, also. Oh, there you go, man. I I appreciate you as always, man, keeping me inside the lines because, you know, the barbershop talk may take me everywhere. <laughs> Thank you again, man, for joining us here on the DJ Aiken Podcast, man. I will talk soon, all right? Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Appreciate the Law Father for stopping through, man. As always, uh, I appreciate you being here as well, man. And I hope you learned something the way I did. Um, I'm just I'm just trying to keep this thing going, man, and 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 keep learning every single week, man. Shaman DJ Eakin Tampa's most connected DJ. Don't forget, man, check out all these clips on my YouTube channel at DJ Eakin TV and get your entire podcast fixed. Uh, just search uh, the DJ Eakin podcast, all right? Um, for everybody asking about other guests that'll be here, they'll all be back soon at some point, all right? I, I holla. <laughs>